Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Massive, massive honour to, to get a chance just to kind of come and do the last session. I'm going to go fast. I'm going to keep moving. And um, it's exciting to be here. My name's Mark and I am Scottish. Great, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Sometimes it gets a little bit kind of like uh, mild harassment when I say I'm Scottish. I have a problem because every four years is a little difficulty. My wife is English. She's from London. So both my kids have been born in London. One was born in down south. One was born in Barnsley. So they're basically English. So I have a problem. So every four years... I'm Scottish, but I've got to support England in the World Cup, right? And it's difficult for me because I'm Scottish, and I try, and I really do my best. But you guys mainly help me because most times England get knocked out fairly early, yeah? So that's kind of, yes, that's good. But last year, England did amazing and got to the semi-final against Croatia, and uh, I was trying, and then uh, England versus Croatia, I had to phone my dad. Now, my dad is a minister in Scotland, and I was struggling to support England, and so I phoned my dad up, and I said, Dad, are you supporting England in this match? England versus Croatia, are you supporting them? And my dad said, oh, son, all of the Scottish churches are singing, I am a new Croatian. And I thought, wow. <laughs> that is unity right there, just oozing out. I am a new Croatian. I love that. I really like that. So listen, um, if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to grab it. And we're looking at Mark chapter 2. And we just want to look at a really well-known passage, Mark chapter 2, and it's the story of the four guys bringing their friend before Jesus. And then um, it says in verse 3, look at it, chapter 2, verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, I want to talk today about take the roof off your thinking. Take the roof off your thinking. We want to see a generation before Jesus. I'm totally inspired. If my talk is rubbish now, that's cool because I have got inspired by the guys that have just been speaking. Unbelievable testimony and story. We want to get this generation before Jesus. And I love some of the little kind of nuggets that we can get out of this story. Are these four guys who saw their mate was sick and got their friend in front of Christ. Take the roof off your thinking. Change our mindset, God. Change the way that we think about some stuff. The first thing I want to talk about is, you know, I want you to allow the Father's heart for the lost 
to move you again. I want, you know, these four guys looked at their friend and they saw that their friend was in trouble, was sick. And they thought to themselves, we need to get our mate in front of Jesus. And you know, in all of the busyness of doing what we do, sometimes one of the things that we can lose is the compassion for the lost. In all the busyness of everything that you're on with, sometimes we can lose the absolute desperate sense of urgency that this generation needs Christ. Amen? It's like, wow. Now, I, my wife has told me not to do this, but I wanted, and one day I'm going to do it. But I would love to have turned up today and I would have had an actor with me. And what would have happened is I would have got up and started speaking. And through the back doors, the guy would come running in and he would start shouting and say, oh man, please help me. Will you help me? Because my son has gone missing. My little toddler, my four-year-old has gone missing. Would you come and help me find him? And you know what would happen is that most of us, I think all of us, would get up and we would go with that guy and we'd try and find his kid. And I was telling my wife this and I was saying, just imagine how dramatic that would be. She goes, and then how's it going to pan out, Mark? They all get into the car park and you say, oh, only kidding. It's a bit of a drama sketch. And then everyone in the room hates you, yeah? They are like, well, I'm not going to believe another thing that guy says. But you know, the truth is, if a guy came running through, shouting and screaming and saying that his son was missing, we would not care what this Mark Ritchie Scottish guy's got to say at the front. All of us would get up and we would go and help. Is that true? And yet God, God cries to your soul today. God cries out to you and says, my children are missing. My sons and my daughters are lost. God comes to us today and he's like, will you help me? Will you help me look for them? Will you help me find them? Because my children are missing. And some of us have got to such a place in our lives that we are so busy doing church work that we are not able to go and help to search for the lost. And God is speaking to us right now about our priorities. That we would be like, oh God, we've got to drop some stuff and make this a priority. We've got to be like, God, this is what we want to be all about. Is seeing the lost getting rescued. Seeing the lost getting saved. When I was like a young guy at Bible college, we used to get sent to churches and I was sent there and I got a group of us and we went out on the streets and we were doing evangelism and basically a couple of lads said that they would come to church on that Sunday. I sprinted back to the minister and I was so excited. I said, oh, pastor, these two young guys are going to come to church on Sunday. And he said, Mark, while you were doing evangelism out in the streets, we had a church meeting to discuss whether the piano should be at the right side or the piano should be at the left side. 
And we had a vote and it was a draw. And he says, now we're going to have to have another meeting next week. And I can remember as a young guy just being like, no, that is not what Jesus died on the cross for. I was like, oh, I says, the piano, I don't right, left, stick that piano up, up the aisle, yeah, up the aisle, <laughs> middle of the aisle. And I was like, the thing is, is that, you know, we sometimes as church, we're like the older brother. We're working on the field and we do not even recognize that the younger brother's coming home. The younger daughter is coming home. And it's like, speak to us again, God. About that moment when those four mates saw their buddy and thought, we got to get this guy in front of Jesus. And my dad is a bit crazy at the moment. And on Thursday, two days ago, I had this moment because I'm here, there and everywhere. And I'd got into this event and I, I didn't even really know much about it. And I was there and I was getting ready and I was so busy and so much stuff going on. And the first song struck up and I was all over the place. And then I looked over and I saw this young guy, really uncomfortable to be in church. I could tell he was not a Christian. He was really finding the whole worship thing difficult. And I suddenly on the front row, I just started sobbing and says, God, I'm sorry that I've got so busy in all of this that I've just lost that compassion. That stuff had just seen someone. And just right then, I started weeping on the front row, asking God that God would meet this guy. That whatever happens, this young guy would connect with God. And as I did the response, many people responded. And this young guy put his hand up. And when he put his hand up, I was just so emotionally moved. And again, I was like, God, let us not be so busy that we have moved away from having that compassionate heart. Does that make sense? It's like we want to think differently. We want to take the roof off our thinking. And so my question, my first question I want to ask you is, how many evangelists does it take to change a light bulb? How many evangelists does it take to change a light bulb? And the reason why I'm talking about this is because we are asked to be the light of the world. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. But I want to just get us stirred up in our thinking a little bit. Because I think that sometimes we only know one setting for light. The only night light some of us know is headlights in the eyes. Get saved now. Yeah, become a Christian in the next 25 seconds or it's over. And some of us, the only kind of light that we know about is like, ah, oh, full on. And it's interesting that lots of companies pay tens of thousands of pounds to get the lighting just right. Lighting is so nuanced. We can do light in different ways. It doesn't always have to be one way. Does this make sense? 
We're like the light of the world. And sometimes the only way we can think of operating is just to absolutely dazzle people in the eyes, knock them out. There's the light. But we must begin to like learn to kind of be a bit more nuanced and a little bit like, oh, I want to change the lighting for this setting. God, give me wisdom that I am in this situation. I need to change the lighting for this situation. And some of you are looking at me now and you're like, no, the lighting is, get saved now, yeah? But we've got to kind of show some wisdom and say, God, I need to think about this. So a few years ago, I began to do the Edinburgh Fringe, the comedy festival. People get a flyer in the Royal Mile. Many of them come in to see me. I'm a passionate evangelist, but I'm making people laugh. And if and suddenly in the middle of making them laugh and they're all there because I'm so stirred up for the lost. I'm there. Just everyone's laughing and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. You're laughing now, but you're going to hell. If, uh, if I have that kind of lighting, that full on blast in your eyes, let me give you 20 minutes on why you need to repent. Listen, that lighting is not going to work for that setting. But some of you would say, well, therefore, it's not worth doing. But I, as a 16-year-old lad, heard comedians shred in the name of Jesus, absolutely slagging Christianity off. And I says, one day, I'm going to be on the stage, and I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. And in that setting, last year, I was able to talk about the love of God. And these four people that had come in didn't know anything, didn't know it was about God, didn't know anything that was about Christianity. They came to the front and says, what has happened in this show? We have been laughing and then we were crying. And like, you have kind of been playing with our emotions, but we want to find out more about this God that you were talking about. Now, for me, that's a great story of how we had to change the lighting for a different setting. Does this make sense? You know, when you're in school assembly, you cannot stand up and start preaching it in a way that you would maybe in a youth club on a Friday night. We've got to think about the lighting. You are the light of the world. And we must not disqualify people that do light a little bit different from us. Just because somebody is being the light of the world in a slightly more nuanced way than maybe you are, don't turn your nose up at them and be like, oh, well, they're not doing it the way I do it. But pray for them that God would help them to be effective. And I'll pray for you that God will help you to be effective and we will work hard to be the light of the world that God has created us to be. Amen. Take the roof off our thinking. Change our mindset. Change the way that we think about some of this stuff. I want to I wanna be able to kind of be in different situations. As in a pub in Belfast recently, and there was only one kind of lighting that I could do in that pub. 
kind of trying to be nuanced and trying to be a little bit delicate would not have worked. I had to just go for it. I had to just be like, Jesus, cross, you get saved now. Yeah, that was the lighting, yeah? And uh, God did amazing things and it was awesome. And I love the fact that we can change the lighting for different settings, yeah? And that's what we must keep in mind. I also love this. We've got to risk more. I want to encourage you as you're going to get into your cars and, and into your buses as you go home today. I want to encourage you to go for more, to risk more, to try more stuff. Just to throw yourself out there. In World War II, the American government found that their parachutes were failing 50% of the time. Just think about that. 50% of the people that were throwing themselves out of planes were dying, right? Because they're failing. The government came up with an absolutely brilliant way of fixing it. What they did is they spoke to the parachute packers and they said to the parachute packers, we're going to ask you randomly every now and again to put on one of those parachutes and jump out of a plane. Guess what? It went from 50% failure rate to 100% success rate. Yeah? Because people are now understanding that that parachute is not going to be on some other geezer. That parachute may be on me. Yeah? And why am I saying that? Because faith, sometimes on a Sunday morning, you're there at church and you're kind of like, do you know what? If God doesn't exist, we're still going to get to the end of the service and we're still going to have Sunday dinner. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not going to be like, you know, God's, some churches, God's not been to them for ages. Yeah? And it's like, it's like, wow. It's like, we're going to be fine here. Because like, none of us are stepping out of faith. But I don't want that kind of faith. I want to have a faith where I'm, the difference between a parachute on the factory floor and the parachute on my back. I want to have faith where I'm throwing myself out. And if God, if you do not turn up, I am in big trouble. Amen. That faith where you're like, oh God, I want to put this stuff in action. I want to be like, God, if you do not come now, I am in trouble. Yeah, I am hurtling to the ground very fast and I need you to show up. And I want to stir you up today that you step out more in faith. That we believe that cancers can be healed in the name of Jesus. That we believe that we can pray for people and see them massively turned around in the name of the Lord. That we can be in all kinds of places and pray for people and see God do powerful and wondrous, incredible things. Amen. None of us want that faith where it's on the factory floor and it's kind of like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it's fine. But we want to be in that faith where we're like, God, I need you now. I stepped out in faith and I felt like I had a prophetic word for a non-Christian. Now that is terrifying because... They don't do the Christian thing where they just kind of go with it, yeah? You know where Christians are like, eh, I can make that work, yeah? And it's like, non you know what I mean, though? People are like, mm, 
I, I am feeling happy. You're right. And uh, uh, I'm a bit down. You're also right. But this, um, this guy was totally not a Christian. And I just stepped out in faith and kind of went, went for it. And you know those first few sentences? God gave me two brilliant sentences to start with. And then after those two, it was like, oh, dried up a bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we're only 40 seconds in, and I don't actually have the third sentence. And I was like, God, you really do need to turn up now. Because this guy is not shaking and saying the presence of God is here. This guy is just staring at me, yeah? And kind of just looking and just like, mm. and so I just said, God, you need to come. And I started to speak to him about some stuff that had gone on. And I started to say, I don't know if this, I just feel like stirred up to say this. And I began to talk a little bit about his home life. And then these big tears began to drop and hit the floor. And you know, you would love it if your response in your heart is like, of course. But my response is like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you so much. I was in a bit of trouble there. And that is the kind of faith that we want to urge you to have. Is that we want to keep on stepping out. We want to keep on saying, chat to the guy on the bus. Speak to that person. Pray for that person at the chip shop. Let's have that faith that is constantly throwing ourselves out. God, we need you. And these guys, they absolutely did that. I love that they just got messy. They just absolutely, like, they start taking the tiles off the roof. And I love that that faith gets messy. It's not tidy and comfortable. It's messy. There's tiles getting thrown everywhere. And we're lowering us, mate, in front of Jesus. And they must have had it going on. What if Jesus gets really angry? What if Jesus looks up and says, oh, the 11th commandment, never touch the tiles. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, but the truth is, the Lord they took the risk and Jesus said, it's your faith, your faith. Wow, I want to live there. I want to be scared more as a Christian. I want to be scared more as a Christian. When I'm... I did the Edinburgh Festival for the first time. I was at the side of the stage and I was really upset, tight, uptight, pacing around. And my dad like came back and my dad's like, what's up with you? And I says, oh, dad, I'm scared. People have paid proper money to come. I want to bring this message. I want to bring the message of God, but I'm, I'm nervous. And my dad just looked at me and says, Mark, 130 people have paid money for you to be funny. Get funny. I said, oh. You know, those moments where you're like, Dad, why don't you go and find Mum? And uh, it's like, like you're just thinking, oh, man. And I was just like so like nervous and so worried. Not, I didn't know how it was going to pan out. But I'm now addicted to being scared for God. We want to get back to some of that. We don't want to be comfortable all the time. We don't want to be involved in stuff where we always know how it's going to pan out. Am I the only person here? We want to be throwing ourselves out and saying, God, some of you know this already, but in 2011, I saw the riots in Britain and it ripped me apart. And I spoke to God and I said, God, I'm absolutely torn apart about these riots. And God asked me to carry a cross over Britain. And I carried a cylindrical cross over Britain. And I actually came here as part of it. 
And I walked from Brighton up to Edinburgh and across from Wrexham across to Hull. And we asked people to put their sins on post-it notes and they rolled them up and they put them inside the cross. It was a powerful time. But when we were just coming out of London, I've got a massive cross on my back and I've got a young guy walking along with me. And this part of London has got a lot of people of a different faith to ours. And they were agitated by my presence. And as I'm walking along, I'm getting frightful because they're, they're starting to mill around. And then we get a big massive group of them all asking me. And they're asking me what's on my back. And I honestly thought, if I said it's a new cool rucksack. Yeah, I didn't think it would wash, yeah. It's definitely a cross. And uh, I've got this cross on my back. And these guys are massively agitated. And as they're all getting angry and they're, they're starting to jostle and it's all getting a bit kicking off, I get my phone out and I've got about 50 people that are praying for me. And I text them, I am scared, right? That is what I texted them. But I was a little bit kind of distracted. And the autocorrect, it sent, I am sacred. <laughs> I am sacred. And you know what? I love this because I am speaking to your soul today and I'm saying we need to find the sacred in the scared. We need to find the sacred in the scared. I'm asking you that you would do great exploits for God. That you would throw yourself out into situations where you're like, God, you need to turn up for me and find the sacred in the scared. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be all straightforward. But in a terrified, scared, and worried way, we're like, God, you need to come good for me, or I am in trouble. Ah, oh, God is awesome. We need to take the roof off our thinking. And then, I absolutely love that these guys take off the tiles and then they lower their friend in front of Jesus and they allow Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Amen. They allow Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Let me take some pressure off you. You can't save anyone. You can't. Jesus is the one that saves. Let me take some pressure off you and say, do you know what? Our job is to get a generation in front of Christ and watch what Christ will do. I've spent my whole life putting together as best as I can clear communications of the cross. I've worked on getting these messages and tried my best to craft these great talks. And yet one of the most powerful times is one of those times where Jesus just did what Jesus could do. It wasn't too far from here actually when I was carrying the cross in 2012. And it had rained the whole day. We'd been walking with the cross and it literally rained for six hours in a row. And we were soaking. And me and my prayer partner, we got into this pub. And I was so grumpy 
Because I had prayed that morning this massively powerful Holy Spirit prayer that God keep the rain away because I am carrying your cross. And God went, nah. And so I walked with this cross and I was completely soaking. I was totally wet. And the two of us turned up at this pub and I was really grumpy. Now I had got this amazing presentation and when I started, it was brilliant. I would talk to people about the mess in their lives. I did this brilliant illustration about the cross and how we can leave our rubbish at the cross. And people would be there filling in the post-it notes and putting it in. And it was powerful. But in this pub in Manchester, I was soaking. It was horrible. And I sat down. These two lovely waitresses came over. And I just says, oh, have you got any soup? And they said, yeah, we've got soup. I says, I'd love some soup and some coffee. And they went and got it. And then this one lady, she says, what, what's that? What, what's that you've put at the side by the coats? And I promise you, I says, ah, oh, it's just, it's a cross. And listen, people, people have been writing the stuff on bits of paper. And we've got some there. And yeah, that's what we're doing. It was the worst communication of the gospel from the beginning of time, yeah? It was like terrible. But I was wet and grumpy. And we started eating our soup. And then the prayer guy next to me just said, Mark, look over there. And we looked over. And these two barmaids had got napkins. They didn't even get the proper post-it note. They got napkins off a table. And one of them was writing, God, I'm so sorry for having an abortion. You know it's destroyed my life. And she's rolling it up in this napkin. And the other one is crying. And she's crying. And they walk over to the cross. And they're trying to put this napkin into the cross and I'm just sitting there wet and I'm like God I am so humbled by you because I spend my whole life coming up with amazing talks but sometimes we've got to step back and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do those guys they lowered their friend in front of Christ and Jesus he was the one that did the healing. And I'm so excited to be finishing this conference where you've heard from Andy talking about the Spirit of God. You've heard about Ben talking about the Word. And here we are, we're saying, you know what? We've got to allow, we've got to allow Jesus to do what Jesus can do. And of course we don't deliberately preach rubbish. And of course we don't deliberately come up with bad talks just so that Jesus can do his stuff. But the truth is, is that God loves the broken even more than you. And in that pub, those two ladies, and we got up from our soup and we went over and we stood with him. And it was one of the most powerful moments as we helped this lady put her napkin into the cross. And in that pub, we got a chance to pray with that lady right there. And I was like, God, this is it. We want to 
lower a generation before you, Jesus. Just like those four mates saw their body get completely transformed by Christ. Do you believe for a minute that we could be the stewards? That we, Linz and Andy, Ben, me, we could all have the massive privilege of holding a rope that lowers this generation. That you guys and all that's going on in Hull, we get to hold the rope that lowers a generation before Christ. And that Jesus does something so powerful and so awesome with this generation that they're not writing about it being the Brexit generation and they're not talking about it being just about political confusion, but they're talking about a generation that woke up and were transformed by Jesus. Do you believe that you could be part of that group that holds the rope? That no longer is it about competing and I used to go to conferences, and I'm sure Andy would like resonate with this, but I went to conferences where you used to be like people were competing against each other, and other evangelists would be telling their buddies and everybody that would listen how many that got saved at their event. And when the other person was talking, they would be like, eyes down, can't believe it. And we're into this new season in this country where we're like, we're all in the same team. We're holding a part of this rope. I'm looking over at you. I'm joyous. I'm driving now for five hours down to London. And I'll tell you what will get me there. It will be the stories I heard that are happening in Lindsay's events and in Hull and all the things and what Andy was saying. Wow, I am getting to be part of a team. Part of a group of people that are lowering a generation before Christ and seeing them transformed in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if it's possible, but can you stand up where you are? Father God, maybe one or two of the musicians could help us. We don't want to take up much more of your time. But you know, in the presence of God, I would love it. If we had this opportunity, if there are people in this room that say, do you know what, I want, I don't want to have a faith that's like the parachute on the floor, that whether it works or whether it doesn't work, it's no big deal. I want to have a faith that is on my back. I'm jumping out the plane and I'm like, oh God, this better work. You better be here for me because if not, I am going to hit the ground. I want to be part of a generation where we are stepping out in faith. I don't want to just read about great miracles that guys did in 1850. I want to see great miracles happen in my lifetime. I don't want God to look back and say, you were the generation that managed the decline of the church. I don't want God to look at us and say, oh yeah, you were the guys that kind of eased in the decline of the Christian faith. But I want us to be known as brave, heroic risk takers that were part of a movement that lured a generation before Christ. 
and saw something so powerful that they will be writing books about it from generations from now. Jesus. So I've got a prayer of faith. This morning when I was in Nottingham, I said, God, I've got a prayer of faith that I want to pray over these great, wonderful people. Before you get in your car today, I've got a prayer inside of me that would be like, oh God, let me risk for you. I said, God, there's maybe hands in this room that will lay their hands on the cancer patient and see them healed in the name of Jesus. There's maybe people here that are going to have hands over microphones that are going to see thousands upon ten thousands come of faith. There's going to be people that are going to have arms that are going to go around that one school kid and they're going to cry and weep their tears. So if you feel comfortable, I'd love you to raise up your hands towards heaven while I pray this prayer. If you feel okay to reach up your hands towards heaven and as the presence of God has been so real, the presence of God has been so powerful all day that we would go from this place that we would go equipped, that we would have minds that are thinking differently, that we take the roof off our thinking, that we would be the light that we need to be for the setting that we're in, but that we would be risk takers in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to put our hands on the broken and see them turned around in the name of Jesus. That God, you would give us the courage to be exactly the light we should be in the setting that we are in. Holy God. Holy God. I know this is a bit cheesy and I'm really sorry but if you're okay just to grab a hand next to you because it's about unity it's about holding the rope it's not about us competing as evangelists but it's about us being in a team it's about me celebrating your success and you celebrating my success because we want to see a generation turned around for Jesus oh God as we hold our corner of the rope and as we lower a generation before Christ. Give us unity that our forefathers never knew. Give us a unity that the generations before us did not know about God. That we would celebrate each other's success. That we would be excited by our friends and our brothers and sisters' victories. In the name of Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams.